Welcome to the MS Dev Show, episode number 195. This week, we talk with Larry Jin and Andrew Bybee about Microsoft Teams and the developer platform. Microsoft acquires GitHub. And Carl has some breaking five-year-old news. Raygun gives you complete visibility on errors, crashes, and performance problems affecting your end users. Replicate issues in seconds rather than digging through log files or having to rely on users to report errors or crashes. Raygun gives you a window into how users are really experiencing your software applications. Check it out today at raygun.com. This week we have Andrew Bybee and Larry Jin. Both are PMs working on the Teams developer platform. How's it going, guys? Good. good. It's Friday. Yeah, awesome. <laughs> yeah, it is Friday. And I am I'm actually I don't I don't like to call it camping because uh, I'm basically doing it for a month and I'm still working, <laughs> but I'm I'm on the road uh, living in my RV as I'm as I'm between houses. Uh, so I'm actually in Oregon right now, um, nice. and there is a car show and it's like a hot rod car show. So occasionally you might hear some some loud engines in the <laughs> in the background. Nice. <laughs> I think that's still camping. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> sure, it's glamping. Camping. Glamping my, is what they call it these days. Well, my I'm I'm in the great room in my RV. It's it's um if you saw it, I don't think you you think it's camping. <laughs> so uh, my wife definitely likes it better than our than our house. Um, although now we don't have a house, so um, which actually I w- really what this is for me, Carl, is practice for that conference. Do you want to talk about that a little bit? Yes, uh, that conference we've been there. What this will be our third year in a row now. So. Uh, it's a conference in the middle of Wisconsin, in the Midwest of the United States, where uh, developers uh, of all different backgrounds, not just Microsoft technologies, uh, get together and spend three days in a water park with bacon at every meal. So if you uh, really think that sounds awesome, um, come join us there because for the third year in a row, we're going to have a booth there. And uh, like you alluded to um, – we're actually not going to be staying at the hotel this year. We are camping outside of that conference, which happens to be a kind of a camping themed conference on top of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we're doing it the right way. So you guys are really taking this mobile workplace to heart. I like it. Yeah, exactly. And actually, <laughs> um, I was really disappointed because I submitted a talk for for that for that conference that was uh, really about um, I called it extreme remote work. So it was really really taking advantage. I'm actually over a cellular connection right now. So I have a I have a cell booster that's on the on the back, and that that goes into a little piece of hardware that boosts up that cell signal, and then that goes into an unlimited hotspot. And I'm actually getting video from everybody right now and transmitting video. I'm getting about 13 megs down, about 18 up, believe it or not. Uh, wow. But yeah, it's like extreme remote work, and uh, my I'm able to also go in my truck, which is basically sound isolated, um, so I'm able to take phone calls in there. Uh, I'm actually getting really efficient at working like this. So I was hoping to do a presentation on it, but, uh, people didn't upvote it. Um, and a lot of people were like super disappointed about that. So I don't know, somehow it, it flew under the radar. So I think maybe after a couple of weeks of you experiencing this, we might have to make up for that and do a show. Yeah, exactly. So we'll, we'll do a show on it. I, I figured, yeah, we'd, I'd get a little bit more experience and, and I can help other people, uh, do, you know, basically go through the, uh, the same transition. Plus, it's good preparation for my new house, which will have thousand by thousand uh, gigabit, you know, internet. Uh, so, it, living off a of cellular for a month uh, will make that uh, feel really fast. 
Um, okay, so let's nice. get to the yeah, let's get to the comment of the week, which was from Nick. You want to talk about this one, Carl? Yep. Uh, Nick reached to us on Twitter, where his handle is at Ismo. Uh, he said, "Whoa, Windows is comprised of over six thousand repositories," and he found that out uh, from one of our uh, build shows uh, this year. Yeah, and it's just, it is amazing. People don't realize how much code goes into making Windows, Absolutely. and. Uh, yeah, I think we were uh, blown away by that too. Mm-hmm. Um, you'd be amazed. Wanted- you'd be amazed when I, I used to work in Windows many eons ago, mm-hmm. and uh, you know we had this the whole notion of labs, build labs, and the build labs were trying to sort of compartmentalize, you know, a few hundred devs of code, and then trying to sort of get the code from those, you know, build lab those repos, trying to do the RIs, trying to do the you know the integr- I just it was crazy. So that was part of what was taking Windows so long to try and integrate. So the fact that we can at least get it down to six thousand repos is, I would say, is a huge advantage. <laughs> it's it's progress. So, that's, so that's better than how it used to be. Wow. That's that's right. It's an improvement. <laughs> <laughs> a reduction down to 6,000. It is a lot of code. Yep, yep. So I'd recommend to uh, anybody who hasn't listened to that episode, uh, we actually had, I don't know, it was like six or seven episodes from Build. People are probably tired of them uh, at this point because we, we just published a whole bunch of them. Uh, but I recommend going back. There was a lot of really good stuff. And we had, you know, some exhausted guests. We had some excited guests. Um, it was It was just, it was a ton of fun. Awesome. If you want to get mentioned on the show like Nick did, send us an email to feedback at msdevshow.com, comment on Facebook, Facebook, YouTube, or Stitcher, and we really like those five-star iTunes reviews. Absolutely. So let's jump into the news. So you sent me a link for this game. Uh, I don't know if you call it. It's like a game slash simulator. It's called A Slower Speed of Light. Yeah, this came out of uh, MIT Labs, and they were trying to help people visualize, like, the theory of relativity. And uh, for people who don't know, the theory of relativity, by uh, which uh, was created by Einstein, uh, really is a bunch of rules that explain what happens when you get near the speed of light. And one of the ways that they help visualize this is they kind of created this game. It's a first-person uh, exploratory uh kind of game where you pick up these orbs and every orb that you pick up actually brings the slows down the speed of light. So as you go on, you start seeing how weird reality becomes when your movement starts to approach the movement of uh, the speed of light. But instead of you having to get faster and having to react to things, uh, the 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 rules of relativity become closer to you. And uh, there's a video on the website, if you go to the link in the show notes, that really uh, shows, you know, highlights like some of the things that become different in reality uh, when when that happens. And I thought it was really cool for them to showcase that in a game. Yeah, that's that's, that's cool. very cool. Yeah, if you can't reach the speed of light, bring the speed of light to you. <laughs> yeah, I know what I'm doing this weekend now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, because you can yeah, download and- like a beta there, right, Carl? Yeah, and, and to top it all off, the engine that they base this off of, the like the the relativity engine, is open source as well. So if you need something where you can play around with the rules of relativity, uh, they got something for you. Is this really? This actually looks really old. Is this really old, Carl? It says the spring twenty thirteen beta release. 
you know what pitching a six-year-old product is that what's happening (laughs) it it doesn't matter it's it's cool it's it's new to me time is relative time is relative yeah Yeah, Yeah. carl is so close to the speed of light it's the rest of us boom yeah it seems like you know to him it just happened (laughs) it's it's either like that or it's like uh, paul mccartney doing corporal karaoke where it's just always going to be cool right yeah yeah (laughs) so you know what whenever i was like watching this video and they were talking about this because it is it is really cool if you haven't seen it um i was i was just flipping through channels the other day and uh, interstellar was on and it's such a cool movie I, I i just love the like the time dilation that happens whenever they're near a black uh-huh. hole like that just it really freaks me out thinking uh in in those types of terms so um yeah i love that movie yeah yeah the only the only issue this is a little bit of a tangent but the the only thing that 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 kind of bothers me about that movie now is i watched um i watched a video and i think it was talking about everything that was wrong with the movie and they were like pointing out like the organ sounds. It's just like, <laughs> like that's, that's like the whole soundtrack is just like organ notes. <laughs> right, and now yeah. when I watch it, I I'm just like super aware of just an organ, just somebody's holding out a key for like the entire movie. <laughs> it's the uh, Hans Zimmer sound, right? That's yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. Uh, let's see what else we got here. Announcing Microsoft research, open data, data sets by Microsoft research now available in the cloud. Well, I do know this one is accurate or is recent. It has a June 2018 (laughs) timestamp. Good job, Carl. Um, so Microsoft announced that uh, they're not only releasing a bunch of, of data that's free and open to use in the, the scientific community, but they're creating kind of a repository, a place where people can put their uh, research and data that people can use uh, for access to by the open community, uh, which is really interesting. And you can um, uh, go there at MicrosoftOpenData.com. Very cool. Yeah, I, I was just checking out some of the categories. There's there's some really neat research categories in there, and then you can go and, and start dialing those data sets. So that's pretty cool. Uh, what is this, fuget.org? Uh, this one's really cool. Um, so I forget his last name, but his first name's Krieger. Oh, uh, Frank Kruger. Kruger, yeah. Um, I, thought, I think yeah, it's he, pronounced Krieger, isn't it? Krieger. Um, we'll ask him again sometime because he, he... <laughs> don't listen to the episode where I had him on. I pronounced it correctly when he was on the show. <laughs> All right. Yeah. Uh, yeah. He's just a serial open source developer and uh, uh, many uh, Microsoft developers are probably familiar with NuGet. Uh, that's a place where you can put your uh, put or get library packages that are available. And uh, what Fugit.org is, is a NuGet package browser combined, combined with an API browser. What it does is you can search for your favorite library like newtonsoft.json or gent or something like that. And it will not only just show you those packages, but it'll go through all the XML documentation, pull that out and help visualize that for you so you can see what's going on and how you would use those packages. Yeah, that's super useful because I know there's a bunch of times if you're in Visual Studio and you're like, oh, I need this assembly or this class, this reference, and then you can't quite remember what uh, NuGet package it's in, and then you got to go to your browser and look it up, and hopefully someone on Stack Overflow had the same problem you did. Yep. Um, okay, so last story here. Um, Microsoft acquires GitHub, uh, not, just a, not just a private uh, subscription, but the entire company. <laughs> <laughs> what do you yeah, have to say so, about this, Carl? So, 
you know, I, I think that we have a little bit of luxury here talking about this because we did have all those build episodes that kind of put us back because otherwise we would have talked about talked about this a few weeks ago. And yep. I know when it first came out, there was a lot of confusion about what this was, what it meant, if it was even positive thing at all. And, you know, I think one of the things that we can think of, in, you know, that with this lapse of time that's happened is, um, you know, you know, is Microsoft a good steward for GitHub. And I think, you know, while we've had time to let the dust settle, you know, I think that we look at it compared to who else could have potentially acquired GitHub and it was definitely a good thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, Microsoft has a very strong track track record in open source and in acquiring companies and letting them keep their culture, but yet still allow them and enable them to push the boundaries on what their technology can do. Yeah. And 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 looking at that, um, you know, I feel very comfortable that Microsoft will do the right thing, not just for GitHub, but even for us, all four of us here are Microsoft employees, and we all depend upon GitHub in in many ways. And if Microsoft were to screw that up, that would affect our jobs and our performances. So it's in Microsoft's best interest to keep this going forward along the path that it's already taken. That's actually a good point, Carl. And I'll I'll be the first to go use something else. Like, I remember it was a couple of years ago when they're like, hey, please put your stuff on CodePlex. And I'm like, uh, no, I'm putting it on GitHub. And uh, and it, luckily, eventually the, the tide turned and everybody started using GitHub. So if uh, if Microsoft, you know, I, I know it's not going to happen, but if Microsoft were to screw up GitHub and there is something better out there, like... I'm going to switch. Like I'll be the first one to go to go to something else, but I think, you know, Microsoft is a company that that values privacy and um right, I mean we have the right infrastructure, we have the right people and obviously GitHub has a whole bunch of talent. Um I don't I think there's I think there's really a minority of people that are that are thinking that that something bad could happen out of this. And I think they're really stretching in those scenarios to be honest with you. So, you know, I I just let, let's talk in a couple of years, you know, and, and yep. see where we're at. But I mean, I, I, we can talk then and you can say, Jason, you were so wrong, but like, I really don't think that's the case. I would, I would be shocked if, if, if we did, you know, if we, if we really messed this whole thing up. The other thing I would add there is, is you know, it, it's always not necessarily obvious, especially to people outside the company. But if you're an external dev, the philosophy that Sach has brought into the company in terms of how we think about acquisitions is super different than what it used to be, yeah. right? So it used to it used to be very much like, a, hey, we just bought you, now we're gonna, you know, bring you into the Borg, and we're gonna sort of try and fold you across all of the various divisions. And you know, if you looked at what we've done with LinkedIn, what we've done with Minecraft, what we're, I think, what we're gonna end up doing with GitHub, it's a much more, hey, what you're doing is awesome. We want to do that and more. And so please keep doing what you're doing. And I think that's that's a great story for you know everybody that's using GitHub today. And also how much we just embrace open source. I mean, total reversal. I mean, I, I joined this company only about six years ago, and this was sort of the last stretch of the Steve Ballmer days. And, you know, back then open source was, was kind of a dirty word, right? I mean, it, it was certainly wasn't uh, not even embraced. It wasn't really even accepted. And, and now it's like, anytime you want to you wanna start a new project, you want to build something, the first thing you ask is, well, has someone else already done this? And let's go take advantage of that mm-hmm. thing that they've already done. And, and I think it, this is definitely, I think we have to prove a little bit of that to the outside world that may not have seen that kind of internal culture change. But but yeah, absolutely. I think this is really exciting for all of us. And there's so many really awesome integration opportunities. I think it'll really strengthen our developer story. Yep. Yep. I mean, we are all Microsoft shells, as, as Carl said, but uh, I think the 
like I said, the, the, the proof will be over the next couple of years. So, you know, res- reserve judgment for, for a couple of years. If you're, if you're one of the, uh, if you're one of the doubters, there's the weight um, 1000 for you, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. There you go. <laughs> uh, okay. So let's get into, uh, talking about teams, um, which is, you know, in my opinion is, is a, is a, is a really cool product. I actually use it a lot. You know, I do have, I do have my set of complaints about it, but the things that I love tend to be the things that I complain about also. Um, so that's probably a good sign. Um, but I, I kind of, the first thing I wanted to ask you guys was, you know, is there any, are there any stats or anything you can share kind of showing the success of teams or is there anything that stands out in your mind that kind of shows the success of teams? Yeah. So, I mean, I, you know, the thing we, we tend to talk about, obviously we, you know, um, we look at recognizing it's, it's still a newer product in market. So part of it is, is how many organizations are actually starting to look at the product and think about that evaluation process. And so, you know, being an enterprise product, we know that that's going to be something that's going to uh, ramp over time, especially when you're talking about going from zero to, you know, the size of an Accenture at 400,000 or, you know, even larger accounts. So um, we talked about uh, a couple of months ago, having over 200,000 organizations that were actually active with teams on a monthly basis, which is pretty, pretty cool. Wow. Yeah. Um, yeah, so it's a, it's just a lot of adoption there. Um, and we're also, you know, we talk about the fact that from an availability perspective, as a core Office 365 offering, really, it's super easy to just turn on. If you've got Office 365, you can turn on Teams like, you know, just like that. So yeah. from a from an adoption perspective, we feel pretty good about sort of what's going on there. I would say from sort of traditional numbers, if you look at sort of Mao and sort of numbers that you might see with Slack, uh, we haven't disclosed those in sort of broad fashion, but I would say we feel really good about sort of the growth of ourselves as an enterprise uh, product. And um, I think we could, you know, we, we might be able to make claims about fastest ever, but uh, I'll wait until we have sort of public statements about that uh, okay. to, to say well, more. It's, it's only been out for what, a year? How long is it? Yeah. Yep. Okay. We just hit our one year anniversary in March. Uh, we had a, yeah. a little bit of a mini moment there. Uh, so, I mean, think about the progress. And, and you know, I, yeah. I worked on I worked on the V1 of this, uh, joined the team about two and a half years ago. And it's just incredible to see how far we've come in two and a half years, the user base, the excitement, and, and really the mind share that we've been able to capture with our customers. Uh, yeah. and, and just, yeah, the amount of progress has been astounding. Yeah. The one, the one of the cool areas that we talked about a lot was, you know, earlier in the year in uh, 2017, we talked about teams for education, and in fact, that's been an area where we've just seen tremendous growth. I mean, we just have a, you know, an incredible amount of usage that's coming from uh, students and educators and, and folks in that, uh, and not only in the U.S., right? I mean, the U.S. is still a huge IT market, but internationally as well. Um, we're just seeing a sort of amazing adoption of that. And what's what's even cooler than that is that the stories that you get from these educators about sort of how Teams is changing the way that they teach uh, it's just really cool to see. So there's some there's some great videos on the web, and you know we can point people to those maybe later. But it's just it's it's great because it's a product that's making a difference for people. There's so many things that you come out, you're like, oh, that's nice tech, whatever. I've got three other versions that do exactly like that. But it's very different to sort of have that type of thing that's really impacting the way people are are getting their you know their their stuff done, their work done. So that part's been very cool. I think even more than any of the numbers is just the impact. Yeah, very cool. So before we go too much further, you know, I I, I kind of wanted to. You know, not everybody may have heard about Teams, except for maybe that it was a Slack competitor, and that's all they really know. So, yeah. what what is Teams? What can it do? And maybe for the people who have been using it, what is new in Teams recently? <laughs> 
Larry, you're going to give that a shot? <laughs> yeah, I, you know, I think from from day one, the way we've thought about teams is it's really, we want it to be the hub for collaboration and team teamwork and team productivity uh, for Microsoft. Um, and so when you think about the, the capabilities and the feature set, really, you know, it starts from communications, uh, uh, best-in-class chat, calling meetings, uh, you know, really having those rich meetings experiences, the ability to call people over both, you know, IP as well as, uh, you know, using phone number. Um, and then from that, uh, if you think about communications as a backbone, you know, all these other um, activities and collaboration that you can perform, um, you know, whether it's with Office documents, with OneNote, with uh, Planner, with Power BI, being able to bring in all of those collaborative tools from across Office 365 uh, into a single place for your teamwork, um, you know, I think that's really key to, to the value prop. And then beyond that, you know, we, we extend out to um, external tools as well, right? So we have over 200 uh, third-party integrations in the box, you know, so whether you're looking, talking about developer tools, productivity, uh, sales and marketing, HR, analytics, um, covering a wide variety of these different integrations that are all rich in terms of, of the ways that you can uh, consume and interact with them uh, from within teams. And the last thing I'll say is that, you know, really built on top of the sort of secure and compliant foundation of office so you know, you get things like information protection. You get, you know, the the manageability with um, Office 365 as an administrator. You're able to to really set policies and control and manage how people are, or how your your end users are consuming Teams. So I think kind of when you look at uh, when you take all that into account, uh, you know, we have a really compelling offering uh, in product that that was really tough to beat. Um, uh, looking at at some of our competitors. Yeah, I think I think just I was just going to say just build. I think there's something really important that you mentioned in there, which was like the fact that you were able to build on things like SharePoint actually gives you a ton of Absolutely. incredible functionality, like right out of the gate. Yeah. Because when I put a file in there, like I know that I can go in there and like do versioning or, you know, just like all the SharePoint type of things, which enterprises absolutely need. Yeah. The other thing I guess I'd, I'd add there, you know, there's, there's a bunch of tech we can talk about. The, the sort of human element that I would say is, is, you know, there's a lot of friction that goes on in your day just trying to figure out which tool to use to get the thing done that you want to get done. And so whether you're saying, hey, we're going to chat over WhatsApp and we're going to use, you know, drop files in the box and then we're going to, you know, use GitHub to do the, like, you've got 25 different tools that you try and use. And every single time you're like switching tools, you end up either like switching windows or you have to literally like start and close applications and you have to figure out like, okay, how do I f get back to the thing that will help me sort of do what I wanted it to do. Now, that can be as simple as like go open the app, do file open, browse to the file that you want, and then bring up the thing and then scroll down to the place in the document that you wanted to edit it. So we do that all the time. We've been doing that for years. The thing that's interesting about Teams is it actually gives you a much better sense of rooting you in the context that you're trying to work in. And so whether it's, you know, chats and being able to then have the chats and have documents and be able to get to those documents, not just sort of having to file transfer back and forth, but to get back to those things or be in channels and be able to have, you know, topics that we can talk about. And the stuff that we share is going to be available for people to share. I can put content that we all want to look at in the form of tabs or other sort of related content directly in that channel. And I don't have to go back and refine it. I just literally click on the tab and there it is. So there's just a whole bunch of that context. And I think that's what gets people 
um, excited in some respect because it is about just kind of reducing a bunch of complexity in your life to just say, yeah, click here, click that, you're done, as opposed to, hey, here's the 25 steps for you to go and like figure out how to open up these other things. So that, that simplicity, I think, is kind of um, deceptive to a certain extent because we're so used to having to work across all these different apps making it simple just becomes really sort of uh, easy in that respect. And so to your point, like you can just connect back to SharePoint. You don't have to worry about yet another file store. You can just use the same tool that you're using for your phone to be able to talk to people over the computer. So I just, there's a bunch of this where I think it's easy to kind of undersell it, but it actually is part of the sort of the, the simplicity aspect that I think goes a long way with folks. Yeah. And this is sort of off topic, but I, I am really impressed too with the, uh, the video, the video capabilities in in team teams, it seems to really deal well with uh, like low bandwidth and and you know bad connections. Uh, yeah. I have had quite a few situations where I'm like, hey, let's let's do this call in teams, and um, you know, it, it just it does a really nice job uh, for the for the video quality, video and audio quality. Yeah, and that's I think that's because it's it's again it's building on the shared infrastructure, right? It's shared services that we use for you know, Skype and for Teams and for sort of others across the, the org. So that part's cool. Yeah. Um, and then I would say the other thing, just to kind of dump down into more of the technical level, part of what makes Teams, I think, really an interesting value proposition is, is that, um, you know, when you look at like what we did for Skype for Business or what we've done with some other products where you start out with a Win32 app and then you've got to figure out, okay, now are we going to go do an iOS app? Are we going to go do an Android app? You think about how big the news was that Office was going to be on iOS, for example, a few years back. Um, and when we came out with Teams, we said, hey, no, 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 we're going to have apps available on the web and on the desktop and on iOS and on Android, like yeah. by default. Like yeah, right day one. Yeah. Day one. And so, I, you know, I think we've we've done a lot to really try and drive a very modern perspective about how we build the product. Uh, you know, we do a lot of code reuse, a lot of, you know, the work that we're doing to, you know, make sure that we can uh, really leverage that core code in as sort of broad a way as possible, multi-platform from the beginning. Uh, and the way that we think about sort of how you, you know, how you think about extensions, for example, like if you look at classic, uh, you know, sort of office products, the extensions were very platform specific, very Win32 specific. We started coming out with things like the sort of office add-in agave type of approach. And we're trying to take a very modern approach to how you integrate content in uh, that's very sort of forward-leaning, service-oriented, you know, uh, web-based content, things like that. So I, I think... When you put those two things together, like the simplicity and sort of the sort of modern approach from a technology perspective, I think gives us a lot of, uh, I'll say headroom to play with. It gives us a lot of sort of playground uh, that, that I think is going to be really attractive for people. Yeah. And then the second half of Carl's question was like, kind of what's new in Teams? And I, I don't really know like when to kind of cut that off. I, so maybe maybe the better question is like, yeah. are there any sort of recent features that you guys are really excited about? Yeah, so I you know we have a, we had a couple of of <clears throat> I'll say kind of bigger moments recently. Um, you know, obviously build being one that was a little bit more developer audience oriented. Uh, but <clears throat> you know, we announced a lot of really exciting new platform features, really targeted at developers and in particular our enterprise developers. So you know, I think one of the use cases that's been really um, exciting as an opportunity with teams is how organizations and, and companies and businesses can transform their internal processes um, and, and their uh, sort of business workflows. To Andy's earlier point, you know, if you look at teams as one place, one stop shop for where you can, you know, get your work done and, and perform a lot of the day to day activities and processes, whether it's stuff like approvals or getting support or, you know, looking up your 401k 
balance. You know, there's a huge opportunity for these organizations to start pulling those in and bringing those into teams as kind of, again, that one-stop shop. And so we, one of the biggest, bigger announcements at Build this year was the availability, uh, or we'll, we'll be rolling out a, a company app catalog. So the ability for you as an enterprise developer uh, building a, a custom solution in Teams to then go and package and deploy that to, your, to only your organization or select people within your organization. So, you know, let's say if you have a sales tool that you've built, the ability to say, hey, I want all of the, the folks in my Salesforce to have access to this tool from within Teams. Uh, and we think that's going to be a huge opportunity to, to really help um, transform and modernize these business processes and using Teams as kind of the, the conduit for that. Don't wait for users to report problems. Raygun gives you complete visibility on errors, crashes, and performance problems affecting your end users. Replicate issues in seconds rather than digging through log files or having to rely on users to report errors or crashes. Raygun gives you a window into how users are really experiencing your software applications, supports all major programming languages and platforms, and integrates with your current development workflow tools too. There's a free 14-day trial, and it takes minutes to implement. So start resolving issues in your application and check it out today at raygun.com. The other thing that I would say uh, we talked about at Build that was, um, I think got a lot of good reaction was the work we're doing around and continuing to integrate SharePoint uh, into the experience. And so, you know, we, we sort of showed some sneak peeks for that. Uh, definitely some good opportunities, though. And I think, you know, there's a strong community of devs that have been working on SharePoint now for quite some time. And so I think when, you know, when we think about sort of how you build apps in SharePoint and how you can surface those and integrate them with other experiences inside of Teams, the combination is actually pretty powerful. So we, have, we got some really good feedback on yeah. that. Um, we also got some really good feedback on the, the programmable voice and video platform work that we showed off at Build. So that's really cool. That's like, uh, basically, if you're using Twilio today, uh, that's an opportunity if you're an Office 365 customer to start building those types of communication applications actually directly inside of Office 365. Uh, so there's going to be a lot more. We're going to talk about that stuff a little bit later in the year, but the response for that was actually really good. So I, I would say we had, a, a, I think, a lot of good dev moments at Build. Mm -hmm. The other sort of main kind of uh, uh, new news that I would say that we uh, talked about was uh, earlier, and there's a conference for, if you're a UC geek, you'd know about this stuff. It's called Enterprise Connect. 98% of the world that knows nothing about Enterprise <laughs> Connect. Um, and so I won't talk about the conference itself, but the things that we talked about at the conference actually were are really important for two reasons. One is, is that we talked about, you know, last fall, we talked about how, hey, listen, we're going to be bringing Skype for Business capabilities into Teams, right? We want to think about Teams as sort of the hub for all of these communications and cloud pieces. And there's a ton of enterprise features that Skype for Business has. And so we've been, we published a roadmap last September. We've been hitting that roadmap spot on for the last, you know, three quarters now. And so we have more sets of features that we're going to be doing out this quarter that are going to basically make it really obvious that Teams is the, you know, should be your preferred solution if you're using Office 365. So we talked about our progress there and include meetings and things like that. Um, but the other thing that we also showed off that was actually really cool, just from a geek perspective, is really all the work we're starting to drive in terms of devices and communication devices. And so we showed off really our vision around how we see teams being part of the device uh, strategy going forward, including Cortana on all these devices. So like we see Amazon going after with, you know, uh, their Echo devices and we see Google going after that. But we've got a huge millions and millions of phones that are installed. And so the ability to go out there with a Teams-based story that enables Cortana and enables always on. So now you can start doing voice commanding against these enterprise devices, both in sort of common area like meeting rooms as well 
well as like personal devices. We showed us some really cool docks that allow you to, you know, have your uh, Teams app on your mobile phone. You dock your mobile phone. It's got wireless charging. It's got the handset. That's basically a sort of a, a, a Bluetooth dock, so you can use the handset for the calls, but it's all coming through your mobile phone, kind of like your camping situation today, except just imagine your campers of a mobile phone dock. Um, <laughs> but basically, that, that ability for you to have those things connected um, really starts to speak to, I think, the story that we're trying to tell about how devices and kind of ambient communications and collab will start playing a bigger role. There was some really cool stuff we announced uh, a couple of weeks ago with um, sort of the intelligent display. Uh, work that we're doing, which is about putting like compute into the displays and uh, also with like the new Surface Hub yep. that's also going to have Teams baked into it. So I just, there's just so much stuff coming that's around sort of this picture. It's crazy because I mean, we could spend, you know, hours literally talking about it. But the bottom line of it is again, we're doing this all on a sort of a common code base. And we're doing this with a common approach to how developers and enterprises can actually extend and participate in this. Um, so we think there's just a ton of opportunity there for people. And so it's new; it's still new to a bunch of folks, and we recognize that. But we think that the there's just a, you know a lot of good stuff ahead for people to take advantage of. I think that really starts to answer the question of like why Teams. You know, you were mentioning like those integrations and in Cortana and all these other things. Like, yeah. Um, you know, I just mentioned SharePoint earlier, but when you think about the all the different products that, that Microsoft has as far as productivity, if you imagine a world where all of that stuff works together in the way that you think it should, then <laughs> yeah. then then Teams has this massive feature set or it's tapping yeah. into this massive ecosystem that just nobody else can do. I think that's yeah. pretty powerful. I think that's a pretty powerful story. Completely agree. Yeah. So um um, you know, you were talking about like the the architecture and 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 how you know how Teams was actually built. Uh, one of the big questions that I had, I, I know that Teams recently came over to the uh, to the Windows Store. Um, so can you talk about the the technology that that's built on? I know before the show we were talking about like, hey, is this PWA? And you're like, well, it's far more complicated. It's not, you know, it's not a it's not an on off switch for for PWA. Um, so can you talk talk about that a little bit? Yeah, I'll give a bit, and then Larry should jump in because he's he's got even more background. Uh, the basic story, I you know, w yeah, we were talking about PWA. The, I the term sounds a lot more binary than it actually is. And so, well, and actually, we, we should say progressive web app for the people listening. If if somebody hasn't heard that term, yeah. Yeah, if you haven't heard the term PWA, progressive web app, uh, hosted uh, web app. If it's a Windows thing, uh, UWP, universal Windows platform. Um, the bottom line is is there's a set of the approach that we've taken generally with the Teams client is is that we have a core foundation. It's an Angular based app. Um, that's sort of uh, founded with some native components. So for example, some of the calling components are uh, able to use native components when available. They also know how to use, for example, uh, WebRTC. So if you're running Teams in a browser as an Angular app, it knows to use the media stack from the browser that supports that. So if you're running Edge, you're running Chrome, we know how to use that as sort of your your local media component. Um, but you know, there are some other places where we've got some sort of local experiences. And then when you look at that, we have that same core sort of Angular package that we can then also use uh, in as the basis for some of the work that we're doing for iOS and Android as well. So it's part of how we're able to sort of deliver the experiences in a more uh, sort of progressive way. And then we also use uh, Chromium as the sort of the host today for getting that on Mac. So, you know, shared a lot of shared code, a lot of uh, sort of 
host translator, I guess I'll say. And our work around PWAs is a very similar model. So basically, you know, with uh, the work that we announced for the store app, it's basically saying, hey, listen, you can have an edge container that's running this stuff. Um, and if it's a hosted web app, then it's basically, it still looks like an app, but it's an edge-based container for that. And the progressive web app is, is that it's literally running in edge and you can now start to just sort of drag it into its own thing. Um, so there's just a bunch of other benefits that come from that, including access to a lot of the local APIs. And so if you look at what we announced for the Windows Store, we're taking advantage of some of the local APIs uh, and Windows and some of the translator for that, um, but not all of them. And so that's going to be a, an evolution for us over the next, you know, probably six to 12 months as those things kind of roll out. So this just comes back to my point. It's a, <laughs> it's not a binary thing. It's sort of a evolution of things that, that go along with it. Um, but that's sort of the basics. So I don't know, maybe Larry, if you had other pieces yeah. you wanted to add. No, that's great. Um, and, you know, totally. I think one of the big benefits to us uh, taking advantage of the Edge platform, especially for the hosted web app, is that uh, it actually assists, assists us with things like accessibility. Uh, mm. and, and, you know, we can actually get richer accessibility um, for things like um, narration, screen reading, as opposed to what we get today with the uh, Electron-based desktop client for those that are familiar with kind of the Electron shell technology. Uh, so that's another one of those benefits. Um, yeah, like Andy said, it's going to be, you know, a process for us. And, you know, the other thing I'll add, too, is is kind of going back to how Teams is built and architected is because it's built on these modern web-based technologies, um, you know, allows us to innovate quickly. It allows us to deliver those new experiences uh, from the service as opposed to having to ship client bits and updates. Uh, but it also helps our, our developer story, our extensibility story, because uh, now as a developer, if, if you know, if I want to go embed some content, I want to go bring my web application experience and integrate that deeply into Teams and embed it, uh, it it's a lot easier right. than, you know, if we were to kind of roll something completely uh, uh, native uh, from scratch. No, that's 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 a great point, and I I do know some people. I, I'm actually getting to the point where I'm running more and more stuff on the web. Uh, Teams I actually do run locally, but uh, Outlook I actually use the web version now, and it's it's really good. Um, you know, so I'm, I'm I'm starting to do that transition where I'm using less and stuff, less and less local applications. And like I said, I have seen uh, some of my colleagues using just using Teams in a browser, which yeah, uh, which yeah. I think is pretty cool. The one thing that I'll add, and I'll just get this proactively out of the way because it's probably the one thing that we hear feedback from the audience. Um, you know, as a as an Angular-based app, you know, uh, Teams is you know using the host. The host has its own memory, so Teams itself can be a fairly sort of memory-intensive situation, depending on what well, you're doing. Ne never heard that. Never heard that one. Sure. <laughs> um, and so, so I, I just want to, I just want to assure the audience, the folks that are listening, that there's actually quite a bit of work that we're doing, both in the near term and in sort of the medium term, to really start to shift that perspective. Um, and so, you know, I think you'll see some very good things coming out in the the sort of weeks and months uh, as it relates to just really getting that to be an even more lean machine uh, as we're sort of optimizing both the the sort of per platform as well as the cross platform kind of workload. So just Cool. No, we hear everybody. Yep. <laughs> We're working on it. <laughs> no, that's great. It's coming. That's great. So an another uh, team's announcement from Build was the kind of integration with the Microsoft Graft. Uh, why was this done, and, and what does it mean for uh, the team's app itself? <laughs> why was it done? That's a great question. Um, <laughs> so... Uh, graph is an interesting story itself, and, and we can maybe have the history lesson later. What I would say in the short story is, is um, 
you know, we really recognize that as part of driving teams, there's a lot of automation opportunities. And one of the things we talked about at Build was the ability to automate kind of the life cycle around teams and channels. So for example, like we, you know, we, we talked about teams for education before, like, what do you do at the beginning of the school year? You have a bunch of classes. Like, how do you spin up teams for all those classes? Is there somebody sitting there going, click, 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 click? Probably. Or do you want, <laughs> or do you want to be able to do automation? And so part of it was about, hey, listen, we know that there's, especially around sort of the collaboration aspects of it, there's definitely a lot of automation that you want to be able to do. And so that was one of the key things that we showed uh, at Build was, hey, now you have these APIs that come through Graph that allow you to create teams, clone teams. You can use templates. So it's like if I have the same class. And I know that that class is going to have the same set of curriculum or the same, you know, this is the week one, week two, week three, whatever. Like I can create all those and make sure that everything is the way that it needs to be. So those are sort of really impactful elements for us to do that. The other thing that I think is more from a, I'll say, strategy and a developer uh, sort of perspective is just the consistency of it. And so, you know, when we think about graph, it's as much a story of, you know, uh, having a consistent model for building stuff as much as it is about having all of your data in one place. So I think, you know, you get the value of both of those things and that starts to show up where we say, hey, when you're creating a group, that group is the group that founds the members for your team, but it also is the group you can use for your calendar. It's the group you can use for SharePoint. It's the group for teams, uh, for SharePoint membership. So it's about sort of all of those things, the data and the sort of dev simplification. And that, we tried to then show how that would also then extend past just the data aspect of it into really more of the action aspect of it. So the big work that we announced around programmable voice and video, it's not just that the functionality was there, but it's actually showing how you can do real-time calling and call control through an HTTP graph media-based model um, that is actually really interesting. Um, and again, sort of drives that consistency point. So I think that was, those are sort of some of the initial motivations or the near-term motivations for doing for graph. Uh, I think as you look forward, we're just, that is our strategy is graph is the sort of foundation for that. Um, and it drives a whole bunch of other goodness. Uh, one of the things we also talked about at, at build was um, the work that we were talking about with being able to do Azure based ML over your organizational data. Uh, and that's a huge opportunity as well. But again, that's because you're using graph and, and some of the tech there. So it's a strategic bet that data is an asset that developers are going to care about and that orgs are going to care about. Um, and we're, you know, we're all about, you know, contributing and helping to drive the strategy. Very cool. Very cool. Um, so now let's talk about integrations with teams. Um, so how do I, how do I build what you would call an integration? <laughs> Yeah. Well, so so first off, uh, we we do call them apps, uh, okay. so not to confuse with the Teams app, um, but uh, you know some people refer to them as integrations as well. So, um, you know, we 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 have a very rich platform. Uh, you know, Graph obviously is one of the pieces that Andy already mentioned, but there's a lot of other facets to building an app as well. Um, you know, we support chatbots, so the ability to to have a conversation with a service and to be able to quickly look up information or or perform tasks um, through integrated chatbots. Uh, but we also support what's known as tabs. So um, this concept of bringing content uh, along 
alongside your conversations in whatever context you're in, and then having that there um, uh, to, to foster and enable uh, collaboration. So to give you an example, um, you know, Planner is one of our most successful tabs. And, um, you know, if you think about task management, project management, right? So you have this team, you have something that you're all working towards some shared goal. And part of that is going to be you want to keep track of who's working on what and when's it going to be done uh, and whom those tasks are assigned to. And so the ability to have, um, you know, your, your conversations and your teams and channels is kind of the backbone, but then to hang off these other activities um, via tabs like task management, like um, uh, documents, document collaboration, or uh, dashboards and reporting, you know, via Power BI. These are some, obviously, some Microsoft examples, uh, but we have, you know, obviously a large number of third-party examples, as I mentioned earlier. And so, you know, we think about the the sort of core um, uh, user interaction model. You know, so you've got you've got uh, these rich chatbots where you can interact via text and via cards. Uh, adaptive cards being an example of that. That's something new that we talked about this year at Build. Um, or you know, more of a content-oriented uh, style of integration through tabs. Um, and then I'll say to kind of tie it all together from a developer perspective, uh, once you've actually built your app, you know, you have kind of a couple different options for how you want to go distribute that, right? So if you're building for your for an organization, you can use the company app catalog or, or you know the, the the organizational app catalog that I was talking about earlier that we that we uh, announced to build. Or you can publish your app to the Office Store and actually make that generally available for all Teams users. Uh, and and that's an open submission um, process that we have. Anyone can build an app and they can submit it to the Office Store. And if it uh, passes the checklist and gets approved, then you know it'll show up for for all the Teams users. Very cool. So are there any interesting features of teams that you don't think many people know about that you want to highlight? Hmm. I'll I'll just I'll just submit my my uh, candidate for my favorite. Uh, this is a relatively new one. I think it's actually uh, gone to GA just only very recently. And now, um, so so you know, in, in January we changed the UI a little bit and we moved the search box to the top. And now it's it's globally uh -huh. known as the command box. And what's cool is that it's it's this kind of universal entry point not only for searching for stuff, but you can also do commands from it. So you could do like a you know slash DND if you wanted to quickly change your presence. But a new feature that we recently I announced. I had no this idea one, about that, by the way. I, I just now realized that it says, um, hold on, search search or type a command. Yeah. And if I hit the slash, yeah, there's. So I, now yeah. I'll really blow your mind. Okay. Is that, you know, let's, say, let's say you're in a meeting, right? And, and you're looking at a presentation, uh, but you want to quickly ping someone. Um, you know, it's pretty painful to have to go switch out of that meeting, yeah. go into a chat, type the thing, and then come back. So now what you can do is you can actually at mention a person directly from that, that search box at the top and basically send like a quick one-on-one -on -one IM without leaving, you know, your current context. So if you're in a meeting uh, or a call uh, or you're just, you know, doing something within a channel and you don't really want to have to leave, but you want to go send a quick message to someone, you can actually do that now through the, the search box. So just kind of a quick multitasking feature. Okay. I was just trying that. It doesn't, uh, it's not finding you. Oh, there, Carl just sent me one. So I do see Carl in there. Why don't I see you in there, Larry? I'm guessing I might be there because we use it all the time. 
so yeah. I can it's, find you quicker. Yeah, it's like a person search caching thing. Uh, uh, we're, we're there's a lot more that we want to do with the search experience, uh, and so you're going to see improvements over the next uh, in, in the coming weeks and months. Um, but long story short, it's basically like a caching thing where you'd have to find me first, and it's probably because you know I'm not cool enough to that you'd you'd have talked to me on Teams before. <laughs> you guys, guys got to talk more apparently. Exactly. Cool. Yeah, I just said Carl. That's really cool. <laughs> Sending your message. I saw in here too. There's like who? Let's see here. Such who, who? There's a bunch of stuff in there. Carl Schweitzer. That's pretty cool. Okay. Yeah, anyway, that, I'm just getting I'm just getting distracted at this point. I, did, I had see. no idea that that was up there. It's so bad too yeah. because you know it's one of those things where I'm just blind to it because I go in usually with like a you know I have like my routine and I just never notice that it says search or type a command. <laughs> so thank you for that. <laughs> yeah, one of those one of those power features, and it's interesting because you know I think it's especially when you start talking about doing the slash and there's a whole bunch of behaviors you can now start doing sort of right out of the box. So it's definitely one of those things. Once you find it, you're definitely going to want to use it. Yeah. Very cool. Very cool. Um, anything else that you guys wanted to share with our audience? Or is there any, no, uh, any roadmap information, anything, anything upcoming that you can talk about? You know, there's a lot of stuff that we talked about at Build, and uh, obviously those things are all in, in flight and, and yep. sort of showing up. So, you know, as a developer, I think one of the key things is it's definitely worth staying in touch, just, you know, sort of keeping in touch with sort of as features are coming out, um, you know, you have the ability to sort of sit in on the developer preview ring and see some of the features before they hit general availability. So if you're thinking about, hey, is this something I want to play with? We encourage you to go do that for sure. Um, I think, you know, I just want to double down on, on Larry's point. You know, one of the big things we're going to be doing over the next uh, few months is really continuing to uh, really emphasize this story about how it's a, a great vehicle for enterprises to build these integrations and deliver them in a very broad way across their organization. And so whether you want to deliver your HR apps or, you know, sort of places that people should be taking you know a look at or even simple things like timesheet apps, like, you know, I need to be able to get sort of timesheet apps out to my whole organization. There's just there's a lot of opportunity for people to start bringing those integrations in and whether they're built on SharePoint or built in Azure or, you know, other tech like you can still bring those integrations in. So there's just a ton of opportunity there. Um, and so I think between sort of staying plugged in on the develop, developer preview, because we don't tend to necessarily think about these things as like big quarterly releases. We tend to think about them as, hey, these are features that are coming out. So that's a key one. Getting involved in enterprise, I think, is the second one. And then I think the third one, um, just to, again, really, really hammer on uh, Larry's point is, is we're fully integrated with the whole app source office store process. And so if you come up with a really cool integration, you know, you can deliver that as a bot, you can deliver that as integrations for teams, you can deliver that to the public and, you know, you have opportunities, right? So there's, you know, opportunities to make money, to sell your stuff, to take your service integration uh, and turn that from sort of a one-off thing into IP. Uh, and I think that's a that's a great opportunity for people to take a look at. And you can be using the latest tech. You could be building really cool bots, using all the conversational stuff, using all the cool ML stuff from Azure. Like there's just a ton of stuff that you could go do. Uh, and Teams is a great, growing, amazing way to try and surface all that stuff. So we just I, we want to really encourage people to take a look at it uh, and just recognize that you know we're putting a lot of wood behind this thing, and, yep. and we want people to to come along with us. Yep. Well said. Very cool. Very cool. 
Okay, so let's move on. So, Carl, what do you have for the Azure Pick of the Week? I found uh, this Pick of the Week on GitHub uh, on a repo by Noel Bundick. And have you ever been in a spot where, like, you're creating a proof of concept and you definitely want, like, a temporary, like, assets and infrastructure up, up in Azure that you you know you're going to have to delete, but you wish it would just delete itself? Well, uh, this guy created a, a self-destruct mode when you create resources. So you could do like uh, AZ group create, give it your details and do dash dash self-destruct 2H. And in two hours after creation, it'll just delete itself. That's awesome. How did that, he do that? This is, that's really cool. The so co- it's a CLI extension? Yeah, it's pretty awesome. Um, it's also possible. Gr- it's also great if like you're giving a demo, like if you're doing your like mm. your stand up or something at the end of a sprint or something, or if you're doing like a a talk at a user group, or if you're just doing like a hands on lab, uh, where instead of like spinning up these resources and then like remembering to delete them, it's so great when it just deletes itself. When we talk about automation earlier, um, I thought this one was just super handy. How how does that work? Yeah, go 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 read the code later, Jason. Uh, no, I'm 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 reading it now. I I want to know, like, you know, does it does he keep something running? I mean, it must, right? Because it's like the command line then has to go self destruct it after that. I don't really see where all the code is, though. Well, you know what? If it sucks, you can go tell me next episode. Yeah, that's really cool, though. That's really cool, though, because we have, you know, it's kind of interesting because on our team we've built a whole bunch of tools to. Uh, uh, to do similar things, not the self-destruct though, but we've we basically but it emails you naggingly. Yeah, to I was gonna say those. we we just we we basically self-destruct with annoying emails. <laughs> <laughs> so things expire, and then they start getting a whole bunch of threatening emails, and then uh, yeah, and then people start threatening. Um, and then what do we have for the dev tip of the week, Carl? Uh, GraphQL is a really cool technology for the web to be able yeah. to get your data in the way that you want. And there's now a GraphQL plugin for Visual Studio Code that does uh, auto completion, jump to definitions. And the coolest one is it'll validate your queries against your GraphQL schema. So um, it'll let you know if you're trying to, if you're typing in a query that's going to be in violation of that. Yeah, that is cool. Cool. Yeah. So yeah, I actually have a second. Second dev tip of the week, if you have WSL, the Windows subsystem for Linux installed, when you right-click in in the Windows Insider versions now, uh, if you right-click in the uh, Windows Explorer, you can actually open Linux shell here. Hmm. So instead of going open open command here, you can go open straight into the WSL. Very cool. I was just, I found the code. Uh, sorry. <laughs> I found, I found the code, but I don't see how he's doing it. Cause I, it's like registering something. I don't know if he's registering a cron job um, or I don't know. Cause I, this would work on, on windows as well. Cause I see where it can load up the next time you run a command and start to destroy those. So I haven't figured out how, how it comes back to life and, and does that. But anyway, the three minute code review by Jason. Yeah. Yeah. We can, we can, we can move on. Um, Take it in. Yeah, and I don't have the the question game, and I'm actually not going to have it for the next month. It's all packed, so unfortunately we can't play that fun game with our guests, but we'll we'll survive. Nah. Uh, so I was going to ask you, so Andrew, where can people find you online? You know, I'm I'm a kind of a, a social recluse, so I would say if you want to get in touch with me, you can always go to my profile on LinkedIn. Okay, that sounds good. And Larry, where can people find you? 
I was going to say the same thing. I, I uh, for my age category, I'm lame, so I, I don't have, uh, you know, the Twitter and Snapchat handles. I do have a Twitter. I, I use it mainly to just read news, uh, so I don't really post much on there. <laughs> okay. But yeah, like Andy said, you can find me on LinkedIn as well. Uh, feel free to connect. Hit me up. Shoot me, uh, shoot me any questions. That's interesting that the the social recluse people are they're all on the same team and they're. They're writing Microsoft Teams. We're working on a collaboration product. That's it. Yeah, it's interesting. You know, you, you're I, not I, happy with the status quo, I guess. Is, is I think it's more that we spend all of our social time at work. Yeah, that's probably it. <laughs> <laughs> okay, and where can people find you, Carl? You can find me on Twitter at Carl Schweitzer. And you can find me on Twitter at twitter.com slash ytechie. So, guys, thank you so much for coming on here and talking about uh, Teams. And, you know, I think it's really cool how it's a, it's really a, is a developer platform which I think makes it very relevant to our audience. I hope that people keep, you know, working with this, making it cooler, integrating it. And uh, it's, it's great to see all the progress on teams. Awesome. Sure. Yeah. Thank you for having us. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs>